Mighty most deaf. It's simple mathematics. Check it out. I'll revolve around science. What are we talking about here? What's up, Duke Nation? This is Russell, a.k.a. Duke Better from Twitter. (laughs) I don't want to be doing this, guys. I don't want to be doing this. This is Duke by the numbers. Yeah, I I, I don't have numbers today. I I, I don't, I mean, I've got some numbers, uh, but like not meaningful ones. I think you can throw all the numbers out. The numbers don't matter. This is a coin flip game. Against our rival in the final four in Coach K's final year. This is a worst case scenario. (laughs) This is a worst case scenario. There's so many people on Twitter who are pretending it's not. And I'm tired of the pretending. I I don't want to pretend. You know, I I just, I don't think that people fully comprehend. Maybe, I mean, I guess they know what's at stake. Maybe they just have some blind optimism about how events will transpire. But the math part of my brain understands that, like, even if we're a 99% chance to win... We're going to lose one of those times. And and I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> I'm just not. Not not like this. It's like the person from the Matrix in the white. Not like this. Not like this. That's going to be me if the worst, most unimaginable thing happens on Saturday. I Like, I... I God, I know this... Uh, people are going to just, like, tune this episode out. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. I mean, it's it's going to be a coin flip. Throw out the numbers. Coin flip for trash talk supremacy, for, for rivalry supremacy. And that is just so uncomfortable to me. I, like, I, I, there are all these people on Twitter who are like, these are the games that great teams crave for. These are the games that define your legacy. Well, that's true. You know, world leaders who lead their country into war have their legacy defined by whether they win or lose. That's true. But you know what's always better, dude? Not fighting a war! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we don't have a choice. This, These are the cards we've been dealt, right? And so now we've just got to take care of business. I understand that these are the cards we've been dealt. There's nothing we can help... But there's people online who have been talking like they actively wanted this, that they actively wanted war. They actively wanted to tempt doomsday. And I think all of these people are certifiable. I think they're sociopaths. <laughs> I think there's two modes that, that rational people can be feeling right now. One, stress, nerves, anxiety. Even if you think we're going to win, which I believe we are favored uh, correctly, I think stress, nerves, and anxiety are completely normal responses. And then there's the people who have no stress, nerves, or anxiety about this, or as I like to call them, Dexter from the show Dexter. 
people who don't feel things for reasons that defy medical comprehension. I don't know, man. I, I, I just wanted to talk a little bit today about some of the things that people say and why I think the things that people have been saying online are dumb. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're dumb if you've said one of these things, but I think that these things that are being said are just blind optimism. And you know what? Maybe that's you, right? If, if that's you, then then go with God, man, because I wish I had that. I wish I had... I wish I could just divorce myself from the part of my mind that that realizes that bad things can and do happen. You know what I mean? I wish I could just be competent. It'll work out. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. We'll win. We'll find. There's no chance we lose. Lock City. Like, these people... I, I, I would love to be one of these people. But I'm not. This is not that podcast. This is a podcast that asks questions, right? That looks at numbers. That tries to get down to the nitty-gritty of, of what's possible and what have we seen and how can we use what we've seen to determine probability of outcome. And there's no probability of outcome for any college basketball game in which it's a 100% chance of success. There just isn't. And I know those people on Twitter don't mean that when they're like, oh, we're definitely going to win. They're like, it's just not worth worrying about. Maybe you're right. Maybe Maybe it's not. <laughs> but I don't want to think about it. <laughs> Like here are the things that people say, right? Here, here's the first one. This is the this is the one that that has really killed me lately. Okay, they're not that good. <laughs> All these people in my mentions screaming about how the ACC is is underrated, are talking about how UNC is not that good. They, oh, they you know they just they got us. The moment was too bad. We beat ourselves last game. They're not that good. In the last five weeks of play, when you go to Bart Torvik and you adjust and you look at just a team's efficiency over the last five weeks of play, the number one team in college basketball is the University of North Carolina. Over 10 games, that's about a third of a season. It's a small sample, admittedly, but over that small sample, they have been the best in the country. Top six defense in that span, top 20 offense in that span. Now, in that span, we are the number one offense. I think that's pretty clear. I think people would have guessed that. We're also 163rd in defense. We've, we've, we've got a, a weakness here, folks. It's not a hard weakness to identify. We've got the talent to, to change that weakness, to overcome said weakness, to, in crucial moments in big games, turn our defense into a strength. We have all of that, of course. But 163rd in defense over the last five weeks. Now, obviously, what happens in the last five weeks doesn't mean everything. That goes without saying. Tennessee was third, Iowa fifth, Memphis seventh, St. Mary's eighth. They were all gone opening weekend, right? So, like these small sample size things, they happen, you know. And and I think we're like I said at the beginning. I think we're favored for a reason. I think we are the more talented team. I think we're the team that has shown more over the course of an entire season. But it is not some going-away win that people try to paint it as. It's just not. Uh, you know, the next thing people say, uh, you know, we're going to get revenge. We're not the same team. We've been improving. Well, what do you think they've been doing? Sitting on their hands, dude? <laughs> they've been improving. And it sucks. <laughs> I don't like saying that. 
They've also been getting better. Do I think we're still better? Yes. But do the better teams win 100% of the time in the tournament? Not even close. So me thinking that we're better doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It doesn't matter much in a game with stakes like these. Here's another thing people you know say. Well, our defense is better now than it was during the ACC tournament. Yeah, sure, kind of. <laughs> it's true that a lot of why the numbers got real bad there for the defense was the UNC game, the Syracuse game, Miami game, Virginia Tech game. Four games in a row that were appalling defense. And a game against Syracuse where we blew them out, but we also did just let them score at will the entire game because we couldn't miss, so we just didn't care about defense. I realize there's there's things skewing. Again, that's a small sample. But let's take an even smaller sample because people want to just like throw the ACC tournament out and say, oh, like Duke's defense is better now. We're still, of the 134 teams that have played at least one postseason game, we're 68th in the country in defense. Right? Like, Texas Tech scored over a point for, per possession against us. You know, Michigan State, uh, if I recall correctly, I'd have to look it up while I'm recording here. I believe they did as well. You know, so, uh, again, there's no dominant defensive stuff going on here. Yeah, the, uh, Texas Tech scored 73 points on 67 possessions. Michigan State, 76 points on 66 possessions. Arkansas, we held a little below a point per possession, which is great. Cal State... Fullerton, we held a little below a point per possession. That's great. That's obviously much better than what we had been doing uh, in the ACC tournament and against UNC. <laughs> that's that's a given. But I still don't think that means that like all of a sudden we can just wash our hands of our concerns and be like, ah, it's not the same defense that played, you know, in the game at Cameron. It kind of is. It's just that. We've had our good big moments on defense, crucial stops, which is huge. But we have let these teams score with us for, you know, <laughs> the first three quarters of games, basically. Some of them right down to the end. So, like, are you really 100% confident that that pick-and-roll offense of UNC, that we're going to be able to shut them down? What adjustments are we going to make from how we played it last time? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I know that we've got more talent. I know we've got better individual defenders. I know that we can do some things. But mostly right now we're just outscoring folks and then getting a few key stops when they matter. If we can do that against UNC, great. You know, we should be able to do that against UNC. But there's always the possibility that it doesn't work out that way. And that possibility makes my stomach turn. Here's another thing. Here's another one that people say, oh man, this one kills me. Duke won't let this happen. They're not the only ones with say. <laughs> it's not like, <laughs> it's not like UNC is in the other locker room going like, man, you know what? I, I think they're not good. Duke's not going to let us do this again. Darn. Shucks. You know, like these these narratives that people paint, I like the narratives. Part of the reason why I did this podcast and started in the first place, I don't know who's still listening to this. It's all depressing. I apologize. But one of the reasons I did this podcast was because narratives are overwhelming. And 
you've got to divorce yourself from narrative wherever you possibly can. You know, narratives are like good for trash talk. That's a given. But in terms of, of understanding the sport, narratives don't play much role. I do think that the idea of a revenge game matters. I do. I, I think that when you're looking at spots, when you're gambling or what have you, emotions matter. If a team just won a really huge emotional game, they tend to play a little worse the next game. If a team, you know, got jumped on previously, they're more likely to, you know, come in a little hungrier than the team that jumped on them the first time. Certainly we saw that at the game in Cameron. But these idea, this idea that like, oh, because it makes the story work, that it that means it's going to happen, I've never liked that. I think it's the enemy of understanding the way the game works. Is it great when it does happen? Of course. Like Doug Edert from St. Peter's getting Buffalo Wild Wings. That's a great narrative. I love that narrative. But they shouldn't have beat Kentucky. <laughs> they did, which was great. Then they beat uh, Purdue. It was unreal. It was the craziest. It's literally the craziest thing that's ever happened in the NCAA tournament. I can't think of a crazier thing. Even the UMBC beating Virginia and really beating the pants off them, I don't know that that's as crazy as a 15 seed making it to the Elite Eight. I'm not convinced. I think I told you on this show that Jim Root, the guest a few weeks ago, I'd sent him a list of the 14 seeds, 15 seeds, and I said, hey, who should Duke want in their bracket and who should they want least and jim's exact words were saint peter's sucks <laughs> that in this season in conference play what have you they weren't that good <laughs> but then here they are in the tournament so like narratives are great but like that doesn't mean that saint peter's through the rest of the season was you know this sleeping giant waiting to be awoken it just means that they played really well right now and so I, I, I don't like this idea that, you know, Duke's not going to let it happen. But how are they not going to let it happen? I, I just keep coming back to what are they going to do? Because you can't win basketball games through sheer tyranny of will. You just can't. You have to beat them with skill and talent and X's and O's. Another thing that I've heard a couple people say in my comments is this is loser talk. You talking about what happens if Duke loses, that's loser talk. No, if the players are out there talking about what happens if Duke loses, that's loser talk. I'm a fan. I can say whatever I want. You know? Nothing that I say on here impacts the game. I know I go to like the, my lucky bar and I got my lucky beer, my lucky outfit. I understand that I've got some superstitions, but they make me, they just make me feel better. I'm not pretending like if I wear this shirt that there's a mathematical improvement in our probability of victory. Like, I, you know, so like I can talk about the potential of what happens if Duke loses. Because it is an outcome. It's an outcome. You know, and we just need to acknowledge, again, even if we're a 99% favorite, we'll lose one out of 100. Ken Palm, for those of you interested, gives Duke a 64% chance of winning this game. Right? Which is pretty good. That's almost two-thirds. Now, in my mind, I believe that's weighed down by UNC's early season struggles. 
and I think that UNC is obviously much better now than they represented themselves in games in November, December, January. I think it's closer to a coin flip. The coin flip for ultimate rival su- rivalry supremacy. Very, very depressing. Uh, another thing that somebody said, you know, if we if we lose the game, it won't end the rivalry. Like, okay, I guess, in the sense that, like, we'll keep playing games against UNC. But, like, you know, we're talking about people that are divorced from reality. They're already not letting the Cameron game go. They're pretending that that was a championship, right? Like, n- none of the things that Coach K has done matter. Like, oh, we ruined his legacy. We won the last game. Of, you know, like, they're crafting all sorts of narratives based on that. Okay, great. They already count those Helms titles and these segregation-era titles when they claim that Duke, you know, isn't better in the modern era of college basketball. They're like, well, we we won one when, you know, <laughs> when it was just, you know, a bunch of, like, white guys named Paul. You know, we won a championship back then. Who cares about those? Who cares about championships that were won before your grandparents were born, dude? They're divorced from reality. But the problem is this reality, if they won, this would be a tangible event that is not easily dismissed. This is not some regular season game. Even if it's an emotional regular season game, it's not a regular season game. It's quite possibly, I mean, people are going to kill me for saying this, it's quite possibly the most important game in the history of Duke basketball. I'm not saying it is the most important game, but it's way up there. It's certainly the most important game of the Duke-UNC rivalry by a 1,000 miles. It's the game that could end Coach K's career, right? It's the game that if, if Duke wins then we are one game from ending his career with a championship and getting gleeful revenge against the rival, right? Incredible narrative there. If UNC wins, they've knocked out Coach K. They've ended his career. They ended his career at home. They ended his career in the tournament. And they're one game away from Hubert Davis being one for one in the NCAA tournament. Like, uh, Does that possibility, which Ken Palm says there's a 36% probability of that happening. You're not terrified of that 36%? You don't think that that 36%, if you even think it's as low as 36%, you just don't think that's going to happen? We're not going to let it happen. I hope not. (laughs) But it could. We need to be on top of our shit, gang. They need to play out of their goddamn minds on Saturday. And even with, even if we play out of our minds, it's going to be a one-to-two possession game. There's no way that we blow them out. There's just no chance. There is no chance of that happening. Am I, am I reverse jinxing it into happening? I hope so, but I don't believe in the reverse jinx. <laughs> There's just no chance it's going to happen. It's going to be one possession game. Oh, yeah, yoy, dude. But I tell you what, post-game, I'm not doing that live show if we lose. I'm just not doing it. Call me a coward. I'll be a coward sitting home watching Bridgerton Season 2 and chugging 18% barley wine to dampen my feelings. <laughs> I'm not going online if we lose, letting those assholes tweet at me. They can, they can scream into the abyss, dude. 
I'm not trying to see it. I'm also the main reason. It's not even that. If, if I just know that it would, it's going to be an emotional day one way or another. And so if we lose, I don't want to say things on the internet that I regret. <laughs> I don't want to be too down about my team just because I'm sad. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to make grandiose statements that are not founded in reality, and I feel like I'm way more inclined to do that if we if we lose. And if we win, I'll tell you this too: you're not going to hear a tone of jubilation on Saturday if we win. What you will hear is a tone of exhausted relief, <laughs> the tone of a man who has had a two-hour-long heart attack. And it's happy it's over. When you, when you have a two-hour heart attack, when it's over, you're not like, yeah, I made it. In your face, arteries. <laughs> you're like, God, thank you, Jesus, for giving me another day on this earth. That's what you're like in these situations. And that's what I'm going to be like. This isn't fun for me. <laughs> the idea of playing UNC in the Final Four is not fun for me. If we win, once we put some distance behind it and my emotions are calmer and my heart is beating at a normal pace and my blood pressure has returned to normal, maybe then I'll get some partying going, right? The next day I can get some partying going. I can have some fun times, whatever, so on and so forth. But yeah, uh, until the clock is zero and we have won, I'm going to be just a miserable pile of poop. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to be at the lucky bar <laughs> with my lucky beer and my lucky outfit trying to hold it together with the uh with an emotional tornado ravaging my insides. But, you know, hopefully it works out. I people wanted me to talk about matchups. Who knows? <laughs> Like, last time we got shredded by the pick-and-roll. We've been a good pick-and-roll team all year. We got shredded by the pick-and-roll. We can't go under them because R.J. Davis can shoot. Brady Manick can shoot. Caleb Love, if we let him get going, can clearly shoot. We can't fight through a run switch. Is, uh, Baycott's probably the best role man in the country. I mean, you got to give him that. We certainly can't zone them. That'd be an absolute nightmare for reasons already stated. So, like, outscore them? Sure. We do have a more potent offense than they do, I I think. But I also don't like the idea of just, like, relying on outscoring a team. I'd like to know exactly how we stop them from scoring. And I don't really know what we do about that. I mean, even in the first game at, uh, <laughs> at the Dean Dome, they almost scored a full point per possession. Obviously, they trounced us in points per possession in Cameron. So, yeah, I, I don't really know what we do. I think that foul trouble will determine a lot. I think that free throw shooting will determine a lot. I think unforced turnovers will determine a lot. I mean, it's going to come down to the last possession. If somebody misses a free throw five minutes into the game, that might be the point that decides the game. If, you, if we take a good shot and we miss a good look, and maybe maybe they make a bad shot. That's that defines the legacy, right there. 
you know, I, I'm disgusted at the prospect of a coin flip for a title. <laughs> I've, I've been telling my friends, they were like, what, why are you so, what, what, are, what are you feeling about this? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, if a man came up to you with a coin, if Frank Langella from The Box, <laughs> the terrible movie, The Box, came up to you with a coin and said, on one side, you flip the coin, if it comes up heads, all your dreams come true. And if it comes up tails, you and your family will die. You know what my response would be? Hey, how about option C? Not flipping the coin. <laughs> I would have always chosen to not flip the coin. And now we have to flip the coin. And now we just have to hope that the coin comes up heads. Because if it doesn't, it's really, really, really going to suck. And if it does, great. Because I tell you what, I'm not that scared of Kansas or Villanova. I'll tell you that. There's some positivity for us. It only took 20 minutes or however long I've been talking. I'm not that scared of Kansas or Villanova. And here's why. Kansas, sometimes their guards can get a little reckless. David McCormick is such a huge part of when they play well, and we've got the bodies to throw at McCormick. I think Baji is going to go off in all likelihood. Um, but we've also got a guy in more that we can throw on him and, and try to make his life hard. So all of that, I, I like the matchup against Kansas. And Villanova... I mean, they just lost Justin Moore to an ACL. I mean, I struggle to figure out a way for them to, like, get past anyway. Like, I, how many how many bodies can they realistically play? Like, like six? You know what I mean? It's going to be the shortest possible rotation. I mean, they were already playing six people. When Justin Moore went down, they're going to be playing five people. Can you really beat Kansas with five people? I, I definitely don't think you can beat Duke. I, I think that Villanova has a really great scheme. they got the five-out offense going. That's certainly given Duke fits at times this season. Um, I think it could definitely give Kansas fits. David McCormick is not I, – I probably would take Villanova in the points uh, against the spread – just because I I think Jay Wright's a better coach than Bill Self. I don't think Villanova's going to beat themselves. But, I mean, can a five-man Villanova team beat Duke? If our offense is humming? Like, I, I just don't know. I think we'd be a pretty sizable favorite. So, I, I'm just not that scared of Kansas or Villanova. And, like, I'm not scared for real, of UNC. I know I'm, like, doing a lot of talking up UNC here. I'm really just talking up UNC to show you that the chances of this being a, a, a true coin flip are a lot better than I think people might think, at least on my on my Twitter feed. Also, if we lose to Kansas or Villanova, it's going to suck, but I'm going to shrug my shoulders, and life is going to move on, dude. If we lose to UNC, we just can't let it happen. <laughs> They're not going to let it happen. <laughs> we can't let it happen. I'm losing my mind. Yeah, we've got to win. Because also, if we, if we don't win, they're one game away from a championship. And that's really the most important. Like, we are, we are the most likely 
chance of stopping them from winning a title. So now it is not just even about, I mean, it is about the rivalry and it is about Coach K's last year, but it is also about our goddamned obligation to keep them away from another banner, a banner that counts. It is our duty, our sworn duty as the protectors of good and justice and righteousness in this world to beat these, well, I'll try and keep it G-rated, gang. I mean, I, I, I know that's already flown out the window. So, yeah, I, that's what I think. I don't know what to do about the game. Uh, hopefully, the smartest minds in basketball at Duke University can come up with, you know, smarter schemes than I can. Um, maybe use Leaky Black's guy to double Baycott when he when he slips. But even Leaky Black, like as surprising it is as it is to say, Leaky Black's shooting this year has not been abhorrently bad. I mean, I think he's making what like he doesn't take a lot of them, but he makes like thirty three percent. He's a really good free throw shooter again on small sample, but like. I don't think that we can just leave him completely alone. I guess if Leaky Black is going to make threes, then you just shrug your shoulders and say, well, not our day, bro. But, yeah, I, I don't really know. I know you got to stop R.J. Davis. There's got to be something done about Brady Manick. He's been great in two games now. He's also just looked great. He's looked like an All-American for the last month and a half. So I don't know what we do about that. <laughs> Play them real physical. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's the answer. Maybe we can out physical them, because you know we do have some generally some size that that can deal with their size. We've got some bodies. Yeah, I mean, maybe just trying to like really muck up the game some, force the officials to call fouls on Duke in Coach K's last. <laughs> tournament run maybe that's a possibility i don't know i'm interested to hear in your comments uh on twitter what you guys think uh, i'm sorry that this is such a debbie downer ass episode i'm just in a piss poor mood uh once all of this malarkey is over hopefully we'll have a uh, sort of title game celebration episode rather than a what the hell just happened episode I've definitely got some fun stuff coming up this summer, too, including talking about transfers, talking about coaching moves, talking about some of these other things and how they uh, will affect the layout of basketball in 2022-2023. Um, please follow me on Twitter, at Duke Better. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I... I, I ah! <laughs> I'm losing my mind, guys. I'm, I've come completely off the rails. And it's Wednesday. How am I going to be by Saturday, dude? Anyway. Anyway, this is the least fun episode of all time. Apologies to everyone who's still listening. What were you doing? How bored were you today? I'd like to listen to a grown man have a mental breakdown on a podcast about Duke for 30 minutes. <laughs> sure man you know anyway at duke better that's the handle uh hopefully uh, i'll have a live on saturday that i'm a part of 
you'll know why. And so some of y'all can talk to me then. Uh, you can always talk to me on the Twitter. But gang, this is the end of the show. <laughs> Until next time, and always go to hell, Carolina, dude. Go to hell, Carolina. <laughs>